He said, if we're in him and he's in us, uh, he said, then we are the light of the world. And I bless his name this morning for his precious promises, for his goodness toward us. And uh, I always think about when I say his goodness toward me, I always think of the verse. It says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I bless his name for that. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the deacons, and I did not know they were going to do that for Tyler and Sarah next week, but I'm grateful for that, and uh, that means much to me and will mean much to them. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of John, chapter number 8. John, chapter number 8. <clears throat> do our best to give you what the Lord has laid in our hearts. It's, uh, it's been a difficult few days to try to get your mind anywhere else besides my family. It's been hard to do, and uh, there's, I'll not uh, linger on that. I don't want to trouble folks with uh, my thoughts and my talking this morning. I want to preach to you. It's what I've come to do, uh, but it has been a difficult few days to try to study and get those things uh, together that, uh, that we need to give you, but the Lord, I feel like, has placed some things in my heart uh, that are needful for this day and for this hour. And uh, so I want to give you those. We'll begin reading John chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Jesus went out, or went unto, rather, the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they say unto her, Master, this woman was taken in adultery and in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, They which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Father, I thank you for this privilege you've given to me to be able to stand in the presence of these good people. Lord, to be able to proclaim your word this morning. Father, I thank you that we have it in our language that we might be able to read it and understand it. Lord, gain help for our lives. God, as I stand before you today, I pray that the Word of God would go forth this morning with power, 
with the demonstration of your spirit. I pray that it would go into the hearts of every listener. I pray that our minds would be open, that our ears would be attentive to what you're saying to us. And I pray, God, that if there be one here this morning that's lost and undone without you, God, would today be that day that you'd draw them to yourself. God, you'd save them before it's everlasting too late. God, I pray that there may be one also may not be in right standing with you. God, would you deal with their heart? Lord, maybe somebody here with a pharisaical mindset. Lord, would you touch their heart? Lord, others, God, that may need you today for whatever reason. God, problems physically, problems financially, problems emotionally, problems with their children. God, it gets dark for all of us. Would you help us, Lord, to see Jesus today? See Him as our rock. See Him as our light. See Him as our shield. See Him as our comforter. See Him today, God, as our guide. Lord, I pray that Your people would get what they need. I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm preaching this morning out of a text that is familiar to all of us. I'll give you just a brief bit of background and history. We have come uh, from chapter number 7, which is a chapter filled, filled with unbelief. Filled with people who will not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you want to know what is required of us uh, as sinners... It is that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is required of a sinner to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible said, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And we have left a chapter previously in chapter number 7 where hearts are filled with unbelief. And friend, if hearts are filled with unbelief, then Hearts are filled with sin. The chapter closes out with Pharisees' unbelief of who Jesus is. I want to give you a quick account, if I can, of these last closing verses in chapter number 7, uh, verse 45. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, talking to the Officers, the chief priests and Pharisees, said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? They asked these officers, Why have you not delivered Jesus unto us? And the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them, the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto him, He that cometh to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth not our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet and every man went to his own house. The chapter closes with the leaders of the religious sect of that time refusing to believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our country is filled with false religion. Our country is filled with apostasy. Our pulpits are filled this morning with preachers of prosperity gospel. They are filled with preachers who understand not the gospel that are preaching works-based salvation or are preaching some other form or means of salvation to men, whether it be water baptism or whether it be uh, work your way in, knock on so many doors, whatever they are preaching. Our, our country is filled with religious people who know not God. I want to look at this story about this woman taken, the Bible said, in the very act of adultery. Caught in the act. Brought to the Pharisees and see what Jesus said. What say ye, Jesus? What do you say about this situation? First, let's look at the situation here in verse number one and verse Number two, the Bible said that after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews, the Jews, feast of the tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, depart hence, go into Judea. I'm sorry, I'm in chapter seven. Let me flip over. I knew I wasn't sounding right. But listen, he, he uh, is here in the temple after that he had come out of this unbelief in chapter number 7. And the Bible said that there he was in the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again to the temple and he sat them down and he was teaching there. I think too many times with this adulterous woman uh, we have him pegged out in the street out in the open where a few people might have been passing by and caught the attention, but not so. He's in the temple and he's teaching and every religious leader of that day are gathered seeking to find problems with Jesus. And they bring her in and the Bible said, set her down in the midst of this crowd of people. These men had no care for this woman at all. The situation is that here in the temple, Jesus teaching these Pharisees, and here they bring her, sit her down, and uh, these men are just seeking to trap Jesus. They have no intent of, of being spiritual and restoring this woman. Uh, they have no intent of forgiving this woman. They have no intent of doing anything but trapping Jesus. It is not even about uh, using the law to stone her to these men. It is about trapping Jesus. It is about catching him in something that they can use against him to prove he is not who he says he is. The situation, their intent is simply to lay a snare. By my estimation, and I believe by the scriptures, we will see later in the text that the sin of these men are just as bad as the sin of the woman. 
The problem in our culture today and in our church world today is we think like Pharisees. We think like Pharisees. Our sin's not as bad as someone else's. Our sin is okay. Maybe it's not even really sin. It's just a, a shortcoming. It's a falling short of God. We all do it. It's just a little white lie. It was just this or just that. Uh, friend, listen. Everybody at the party this day deserved to be stoned. It's been said multiple times by myself, by others in my hearing. I have heard people over and over and over again say, every one of us ought to be in hell. <clears throat> and the church says, amen. <clears throat> but when the sins of others come before us, only they should pay. Watch the situation. The situation is going to escalate. The scribes and the Pharisees, they bring her in. They set her in the midst. They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. They're not going to stop there. They're going to make it sound as bad as they can make it sound. She was taken in the very act. Situation. Master, the very act. Here's what the law said. Here's what the statutes are. The, we go from the situation, they move, they move from uh, the situation with the woman to the statutes of Moses, to the laws, uh, to the commandments and what the Bible said. So what does the law say? Leviticus chapter number 20 and verse number 10, the Bible said, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So the law is the right. The law says that she should be put to death. There's one problem. Where's he at? Now, I do not know, the Bible does not say, I do not know that I've ever read a theologian that says, my mind says, he's probably amongst them. He is probably right smack dab in the middle with the crowd that says, she ought to die. And this, friend, is why I say that we think too much like the Pharisees. They thought what was uh, good for her that she should die, but they did not think the same for the man. If she was taken in the very act, then he was present too. So let's pin her to the wall and let him go free. He's a big giver in the church. He's, uh, he's one of us. We've been buddies for a while. We'll let him slide while we pin her to the wall. Statute says that they both should have died. Statute clearly outlines first the man. And it said, and the man that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife. It said, the adulterer 
first should be stoned. And here we have just the woman. Just a little, little foundation work to tell you what is taking place and where we are at to try to get to where I want to preach this morning. We view sin very differently for ourselves than we view it for others. We view it sometimes as a splinter in our eye, just a little, just a little speck in our eye, while it's a great old big telephone pole in somebody else's eye. And uh, the Bible teaches us we ought to take care of our own before we worry about that of others. I do not read anywhere in the text or in the scripture where the woman is trying to deny her sin. I do not read anywhere in the text where she is fighting against them or she is combative in any way. It appears uh, that she understands she's been caught. It appears uh, that she understands uh, that the statutes of the law say that she must pay uh, the penalty for her sin. She knows that and she is sitting quietly in the temple. It's a situation. It's the statutes. It's the setting of what we're looking at. Here's where I want to preach for just a few minutes. Things are going to change rapidly because they have now asked Master. Now listen. Last chapter, they were calling him names. This chapter, they're calling him master. They need his attention. They need him to think that they respect his authority. They need Christ to believe that they believe him. So, master, teacher, tell us, what do you say? Here's what our father Moses said. They, hey, there's none greater than Moses. And he said that this woman should die. She should pay the price. We move from the situation to the statutes to what every preacher living will call the stooping. The stooping. Watch what happens. They, this they said, tempting him, trying to trap him, trying to find out, does he believe this or does he believe that? How can we trap him some way to get these people off of him and to stop what he's doing? The answer is no, you can't trap Jesus. Amen. You could, you could trap me pretty easily, but you can't trap Jesus. I could trap you pretty easily. I got a buddy of mine that I, could, I get so tickled when I listen to him talk. I mean, he'll be talking to somebody and out of the blue, he'll ask some theological question. Like, what does that mean? Well, I know he knows what that means. I know he knows what that means. But what he's doing is, He's fishing a little bit. He wants to know what they believe. And uh, he's not necessarily trying to trap, uh, but he wants to know. And if you play like you don't know, then they'll tell you what they know and what they believe. Is that honest? No. But everybody does it sometimes. These Pharisees are casting a line. Jesus, here's what, here's what Moses says. Tell us what 
you say, all the while trying to get him to take it hook, line, and sinker. But what they forget and what they do not understand is that Christ knows the very thought. He knows the very intent of our heart. He knows what they are doing. He understands what's taking place. And guess what about Jesus? He don't care. He don't care. But I love his response. We've been talking on Wednesday nights in John 4 about how Jesus had conversations with different people. Watch, watch this conversation. They tempting him that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down. He didn't even say anything. He didn't say, I know what y'all are doing. You're not going to catch me. Jesus just stoops down the word the word stoop down or the phrase that's here used in the text it literally means to bend forward or to bow the head jesus literally stooped down in this direction and now the bible said when he stooped down there and that he took his finger and he wrote something in the sand the term or the phrase that he wrote in the sand indicates that he used Letters that could be read. He wasn't drawing pictures. Uh, he wasn't making symbols. Uh, uh, the phrase in the Greek would indicate uh, that Jesus wrote letters uh, that they would be able to read. Here's our problem with this text. We are too concerned about what he wrote rather than what he did. We would speculate. I've heard preachers uh, speculate everything in the world uh, that he could have wrote down. He might have wrote down Tom and called out the fellow that was guilty. Uh, he might have wrote down uh, their sins. We speculate all. None of that matters. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't matter what he wrote. Didn't matter. Doesn't matter to us. It mattered to them. It was important for them. Listen, in this situation, this stooping down is going to change everything. He wrote in the form of letters, uh, and while we do not know what he wrote, what we do know is what was written was not important to us, but it's rather what was done that matters to us. Let me get where I'm going. In this particular situation the bible said after he stooped down there was a continuation of harassment from the pharisees watch so when they continued asking him while he stooped down they continued asking him he lifted himself up and said unto them now he is still on the ground. He is still writing out whatever he's writing. Uh, and the Pharisees are still uh, continuing to wail on him. Uh, they are still uh, trying to make accusation against him. Uh, they are still saying, she ought to die. She's guilty of adultery. And she must pay the penalty. The Bible said he stood up. There's a continuation of their berating him they said there should be a casting they should stone her well Jesus responds with his own casting and he says whoever it is among you that's without sin 
You go ahead and throw the first one. Throw the first one. Here's where I think the progression has come to in our churches of today. I think there's some people that would throw it. That's not mean or ugly. That's not in a mean spirit, I promise you. I just feel like in the church world that we live today, some people would throw it. Even though they know, we know this, we know this. There's nobody here this morning without sin. Nobody. Every one of y'all look good to me. And every one of y'all sound good to me to hear you sing and to listen to testimonies and to see you at Sunday school. Everybody looks right, sounds right, acts right for the most part. And, uh, but yet, we all have sin. But I believe, I don't know. I don't know about here or not. I don't know. But I believe in the church as a whole. There's some stone throwers now. You better believe I'll throw the first one. And it ain't because they're without sin. It's because they don't like the person. Because there's an issue there. And, and they'll throw a stone knowing that they're guilty themselves of at least that and sometimes more than what the other person has done. These Pharisees, listen, they are trying to manipulate the Savior. They are trying to trap Him. He's come according to His own words to seek and to save that which is lost. He has come to bring salvation to all men. He has come to forgive and the church is saying, stone them, stone them, stone them. Mind you that Paul said, when you see a brother overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Christ is in forgiving business. That's what our story is about. It's not about what he wrote in the sand. Watch what's going to happen. He talks about the continuation. He talks about a casting. But here's what I want you to see. As the Bible said, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convicted. Here's the problem in the American church of today. No guilt, no conviction of our sin, none. We don't. When have you seen? I mean, honestly, we've, we have folks come to the altar almost every Sunday. I mean, somebody comes. But I wonder when the last time we've really seen someone broken from conviction. Not coming to pray about a situation in their life or not coming uh, to pray for a family member that's sick or not coming to pray for a lost family member, but coming because God has revealed to them the ugly of their sin and God uh, has brought to the forefront of their lives uh, how wicked and vile we can be. Uh, and God has showed us uh, that what we're living in and partaking in is wrong and we've come broken before Him. The word conviction carries the idea that these men were shamed. Jesus, all he said was, 
you, you, here's exactly how he said it. He said, uh, he said, uh, oh goodness, what, what verse is it? He said down through here, verse seven, he, he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Him. That's all he said. And he stooped down again. And when he gets up, one by one, the Bible said from the eldest to the last, one by one, one by one. It would be foolish of me this morning to stand up here and tell you you're a sinner and not acknowledge that I am also. And tell you that while I know that you're a sinner, and while I know that you're a sinner, and while I know that I'm a sinner, that I also know a Savior that's in the forgiven business. And while I know there is a Savior that is in the forgiven business, I know he'll take a sin that is worthy of death by the law and forgive it and let you walk away free and clean and alive with life everlasting. Yes. who he is conviction conviction it did not listen to me this conviction did not happen on the street while they were out soul winning are you hearing me this conviction did not fall at a tent meeting where everybody had invited their lost loved ones to come. It did not happen in a revival meeting. It happened inside the temple at a daily teaching session. Conviction. Conviction. It, listen, it did not happen at story time. It happened while Jesus was teaching the word of God, he wrote what he wrote. He said, if you're without sin, cast a stone at her and conviction. Conviction. Now listen, some of y'all, some of y'all think, man, we don't need this. There's ever anything we need. It's conviction. Guilt. For our sin. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. But listen to me. Do you know that we have come. Become so unconvicted of sin. That we let the television babysit our children. And we're babysitting them. With shows that if I walked into your house. Saying the same words that you're letting your kids listen to on your TV. You'd ask me to leave. are watching it you're piping it in you're paying for them to hear that you're paying for your children to learn how to dress but from Hollywood you listen to me and they don't feel bad about it why mom and daddy pays for it don't feel bad about it I know, listen, I know there's a, there's a fine line right there. A fine line right there. I understand that. But I'm telling you, there's sin, sin, sin. Abel slew the first of his flock. 
and he brought it in and made the appropriate sacrifice. Cain brought in the first fruits that he had. It wasn't right. No blood had been shed. Wanted to give the best that he had. Cain got mad. Here's, here's what God said to him. He basically said, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. He basically said, Cain, don't you know if you'd just bring me the right sacrifice, I'd accept it. He said, Cain, sin lieth at the door. That, that, that little phrase right there when he talks about sin lying at the door, here, here's what he's saying. He said, it's crouched at the door like a lion, and it's ready to pounce. Sin. It's crouched at the door like a lion and it's ready had a pounce what did Cain all he had to do is repent and say God you're right I brought the wrong sacrifice I'll go and kill a lamb I'll bring the blood I'll do what's right but instead sin pounced Cain killed his blood cried from the ground this is about forgiveness of sin This morning, we're all sinners. Listen, I, I had no idea this would be as somber and serious when I got it in my heart, but it is. It's a serious business. I had no idea that while my son and daughter-in-law were laying at the hospital trying to deliver a baby that I would come in here and preach to you about sin and and the need to be convicted and guilty and shamed of our sin and repent and ask God to forgive us. But it's what God willed this morning. There's conviction that needs to be. We don't feel guilty. Children, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. Your mom and daddy may not know what you're doing, but God does. God knows. He knows every time you call them and tell them you're spending the night with a friend that you're off smoking, drinking, sleeping around. He knows all that. He knows all that. He knows what pills you put in your body. He knows what liquids you put in your body. He knows everything you've done. He knows what your Snapchat looks like. He knows what your Facebook and Instagram looks like. He knows things your parents don't know. He knows things your best friends don't know. It's the same for adults. Same for adults. He hears what you're saying. He's paying attention to what you're doing. Listen. He stooped down again. The Bible said, and again, he stooped down. Let me tell you what that phrase means to me. That means if he stooped down again for her, it presents to me that he would be willing to stoop down again. Had he have stood up and there was still one left with an accusation against her, it would not surprise me one bit if the next verse didn't read. And again, he stooped down. Listen, Christ, 
Christ did not allow this particular story to be part of the canon of scriptures for you and I to try to figure out what he wrote in the sand. That is not the theological significance of the story. It is not for you to figure out what the woman's name was or who it was that she committed adultery with. It is for you and I to see and understand that sin is real and we ought to be shamed by it. And if we will get shamed, he will forgive. Forgive us. Heard it. Look at what he said. They which heard it. They which heard it. It's unusual. It's unusual definition in the Greek translation of this phrase, heard it. It is to those who have been endowed with hearing. Those that have the ability to hear. Now I say it's unusual because I believe, now you may disagree with me about this. If you, uh, if you want to, that's fine. I won't argue with you. Uh, you've got to first hear it. You've got to hear it with your ears. Or, or uh, uh, in Miss Miranda's case, you've got to hear Miranda's case, you've got to hear it through sign got to hear it. It's got to be preached to you. But there is some significance in spiritually hearing. Those that have been in that. I've said multiple times that on the day you got saved, not everybody in the building got saved. But that day you heard the call. And another day someone else heard the call. And another day someone else heard the call. And another day someone else. You hear what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't speak to all of us at one time. And on this particular day, he said, I, he said all that heard it, those that were convicted, those that were convicted, those that have spiritual ears to hear, to listen when you hear that conviction. And you know what, here's what, let me get through this because I, like, I feel like I've run in a mud hole. This Here's what I'm saying. Some of you have already heard it this morning. Some of you have already felt guilty of a sin you've committed this week. You've already heard it. Your heart is heavy. I said, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not a genius, and I, I wouldn't dare pretend to be the most spiritual man alive. But God has given me a few things in life. And I can see faces. I can see concern. I can see guilt. I can see the pain and the agony that sin has brought in your life. I can see that. That's not, that's not saying anybody's spiritual. That's just something that God shows us sometimes. And this morning I know, I know that some of you have heard it this morning. Some of you have the ears to hear that sin is sin and it must be repented of. Now watch, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to be mean. Y'all have been so sweet and so kind to me this week. There ain't no way I'd come in here and try to be mean. But while there's some that are hearing it and are sweating and are fidgeting and I Looking concerned, there's others that are just. That's the phrase, to them that heard it. 
to them that heard it. Did you know Paul said he had much to be said about Jesus? He said, but you're dull of hearing. He said, it's like your ears are plugged with wax and you can't hear what I'm saying about him. And this morning it may not be necessarily that your ears are plugged with wax, but that God has just not opened your ears to hear or that you're not willing to. While others have heard and in just a little while will make a decision as to whether or not they'll repent or whether they'll walk out the door with sin in their life. Is that serious? There was conviction to those that heard it. It is those that are endowed with the faculty of hearing. Then there's a word to be said about condemnation. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? They brought her to condemn her. They didn't bring her to condemn her. They brought her already condemned. Caught in the act, in their mind she was already condemned to death. No reason to even have a trial. No reason for a jury. No reason for a judge. She's caught in the very act. She's condemned. We'll just stone her right here in the temple. Be done with her. Christ said, where are they at? Where are those that condemn thee? He said, I don't have any. Why? They got shamed. They got convicted. Now the Bible doesn't say anything about them repenting. They just left. They got convicted. She got convicted, I believe. Because it's going to end with her salvation. Neither do I condemn thee. He said, go thy way and sin no more. Now listen to me just a minute. Somebody tell me maybe how that woman must have felt. She knew Leviticus 20.10. She knew she should be dead. She knew she was guilty of the sin she'd been accused of. She knew the religious leaders were right according to the law. She knew that. And Jesus just said, go thy way, sin no more. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those that are walking after Christ, to those that have believed in him, to those that have said, Jesus, save me. No condemnation present. tried to paint you a picture this morning of a Savior that forgives sin, the worst of sin. Sins that are guilty of death, He's forgiven them. You know how many times down through the years I've heard people say, Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know this and you don't know that. I'm not interested in knowing those things about you. God already knows them. And he's willing to forgive you. Listen, he, he'll say to you, there is therefore now no condemnation. But if you don't repent, you're already condemned according to John chapter number 3. He that believeth not is condemned already. Already condemned. Already bound for hell in your sin. It's going to take Christ 
saving you to relieve you of that condemnation. You are headed for hell if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Never. Christ is a forgiving God. He loves to the point He'll forgive you. Forgiveness and salvation are words that would represent a continuous action. He's daily forgiving. He's daily saving. He's daily delivering. He's daily doing for me. Listen, we need to get guilty again. Anybody know that song that says, I'm so glad, I don't know, I don't know the tune of it or how it goes, but it talks about I'm glad I got lost so I could be found. Y'all ever heard that? I'm glad I got lost so I could be found. I believe that and I like that. You can't get, can't get found until you get lost. I could tie you up and take you up where I lived in the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee and I could drop you off in the woods and unblindfold you. But as long as you thought you recognized where you were at, I'd never be able to convince you that you were lost. And until you're convinced you're lost, you're never going to get found. You'll wander around in a state of confusion, just in circles. This morning, my desire is, my desire is that God would save a sinner and you could go away and sin no more. It goes from the situation to the salvation, from the statutes to the stooping. Christ fulfilled the law. Christ brought forgiveness for all sin. If he didn't, some of us wouldn't be sitting here this morning. He's a forgiving God. And he wants to forgive you this morning. Whether you're saved or lost, he'll forgive you of your sins. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll forgive you. Somebody said this to me one time. and They said, well... What's a sin to me may not be a sin to someone else. That's hogwash. If I've ever heard it. If it's a sin, it's a sin. If it's a sin for me, it's a sin for you. If it's a sin for you, it's a sin for me. So we're not talking about, I'm not talking about your preferences of whether you drink caffeine or whether you drink water. I'm not talking about that. And people go off about this, that, and the other, and they're doing things just as unhealthy for them as somebody else is doing for them. Well, theirs is a sin and mine's not. That's foolishness. I'm talking about what God outlines as sin. If it's a sin for me, it's a sin for you. Listen, he has dealt with every sin that we deal with today. It starts with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three categories that God is going to tempt you with to sin. He'll either pull you away trying to satisfy your flesh. He'll put something in front of you that is appealing to your eyes that you will covet and you'll want and you'll go after. He'll put something in you or in front of you, the devil will, that'll cause you to swell up with pride and want that thing so bad you'll do whatever it takes to get it because you're prideful. And every sin revolves around those three. The illicit sexual activity in our land from the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Every bit of it. From homosexuality to transgender 
to every part of fornication and adultery that we dealt with, they all stem back to the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes. The failure to repent of it is the pride of life. I'm not guilty. I'm not like everybody else. Sin, sin must be repented of or God will deal with it. He will deal with it. It's not been easy to listen to this morning, I know, because it's not been easy to preach. But I want us to stand. I've given you what I feel like the Lord would have me to preach to you this morning. I wanted to preach John chapter number 4. Been wanting to preach that since last Wednesday night. But somehow the Lord would not let me do that. And this morning, very simply, I would just say to you, God forgives sin. He forgives the vilest of sins. But we're going to have to be guilty in order to be forgiven. He'll forgive the smallest of sins, but you're going to have to acknowledge that it's a sin. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. That little white lie, that little word that you said about somebody that you shouldn't have, that thought, whatever it was, I, I, I can't identify all of them. There are a lot out there. And there's a lot of people just skimming through life, pretending like everything's okay. And it's not. One of these days, if you don't confess it, the Holy Ghost is going to throw you down before Jesus. Say they're guilty, not only of their sin, but they're guilty of not repenting. And they're too prideful. And we can't deal with sin. So we must judge it. We must judge it. I'd rather confess it before God now than I would to have to stand before Him in judgment later. Young man, you come if